Next Talk contains content of a mature nature. Parental guidance is advised. Welcome to Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630, The Word. Mandy is the author of Talk, and Kim is the director of Next Talk, a nonprofit organization helping parents cyber parent through open communication. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our video series and subscribe to our weekly podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk? Today on the show, we are going to be talking about eating disorders. This is a really big topic. Um, It's a show we've been wanting to do for a while, and we've been praying for the right expert. And we have one of our licensed professional counselors here from our advisory council. Her name is Jamie Mershon. She's no stranger to our show. (laughs) Welcome back, Jamie. Thank you. It's so great to be here. And for anybody listening who hasn't heard one of your shows before, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am a local San Antonio LPC. I'm a wife and a mama to three little gals. (laughs) So I'm um, plugged into our church and our community, and I just have a heart for counseling and um, working with families. So it is an honor to be here. I have such a huge heart for Next Talk and everything they do. So thank you for having me. Well, we love your expertise that mm-hmm. you give us in all sorts of areas. But today, we really want to hone in on eating disorders. And I think we first need to define that for sure. our listeners. Yes, absolutely. So I'm just going to go with the basic kind of textbook thing, and then we can dive deeper into it. But by definition, it's defined as an illness in which a person experiences severe disturbance in, disturbance in their eating behavior and related thoughts and emotions. So when you think about that, you hear three pieces. So it's um, a disturbance in their eating behavior, and it's related to their thoughts and emotions. So it's behavior, it's thoughts, emotions, it can often be about control, perfection, or temporary comfort. And so um, with that said, it consumes our mental energy by worrying about our next meal or regretting what we just ate. And so if not treated, it can be highly... Um, it can be fatal and it can mess with fertility and um, even medical issues. So it's not something we should take lightly. Absolutely this is, not. It, this is, should be just as serious as having a child who is cutting or using drugs or alcohol. Like we need to be on alert here. On the other side of that, though, can we step back for just a second? Because I think sometimes as moms or as parents, we hear something like that and then we can go jump on it. Sure. When kids say, or when I say, oh, I'm an emotional eater. Yes. Explain when we turn the corner. When do we need to really hone in and say, okay, we need some professional help there? Yeah. So I think when you start, like, the more we know our kids, the more we know a baseline, meaning we know what their normal behavior is. We know what their patterns are. We know how they normally eat. So the more in tune we are with them, the more we have a baseline of what their normal is. That's so good. And so... Once So you can go off of their baseline, but when you start to see them like, okay, they're skipping meals more, mm-hmm. or they're throwing away more food, or they're isolating socially, just things that aren't them, mm-hmm. um, which we'll go into further of what that's going to look like. But once we start noticing that kind of stuff, then it's already on our radar, like something something's not matching up here, or let me... And reoccurring, just, I'm assuming, too. Reoccurring. Not just like a stressful moment or season, but yes. ongoing. Yeah, and just kind of even making note of things. Things because when you do sit down and have that conversation with your child, it's helpful to have just like, hey, I noticed last week this happened mm-hmm. and then this happened. So that way it's not really an emotional conversation. It's just based on like 
patterns. It's based on things that you've observed. And so it's harder for a child to get emotionally invested when you're going off of just facts. That's a good That's point. Really, really good. good. Yeah, that that can cross to any topic. Absolutely. So I think that's really good. Break down for me, like what kinds of eating disorders are we talking about? Like, yeah. can you break that down for me? Because I I hear eating disorder and sometimes I don't understand all of it. Sure. Traditionally, when we talked about eating disorders, we would think of anorexia, which is underweight, or we would think of bulimia, which is the binging and the purging. So anorexia typically is you're underweight and bulimia, you're not always underweight because you can maintain it more. So mm. you might be binging. Um, and then throwing up. So it, you don't necessarily look underweight. So it's easier to hide. But um, we are now seeing two other eating disorders that are coming into the light more. And one of them is binge eating, which has often been there, but I don't think we often think of it as an eating disorder mm-hmm. because we just see overweight. We think lazy. We think you don't mm-hmm. have self-control. We don't think of it as a disorder. And then the newest one that is out right now is orthorexia. And that is compulsive checking of ingredient lists and nutritional labels, mm. increase in concern of um, health ingredients, and so unusual interest in the health of what others are eating, obsessive following of healthy food on Instagram or social media. Ugh. I could see this across the board, not just with kids, but with all of us. Absolutely. I So many times people are like, I'm on paleo or I'm on gluten-free. And yes. I'm like, Why? Did your doctor say that that was the route? Like, why are we doing this? And I guess I feel like there's just that movement to jump in a category and then do it. Yeah. And the thing with those, uh, like those types of diets is they're extreme. So it's restriction. Mm -hmm. And when there's restriction involved, that can often lead to an eating disorder Mm -hmm. as well. Or it can be being overweight, then you lose the weight, and then you have fear of gaining it back. So then... If we don't address the emotional side to it, it's like, sure, you've lost the weight, but you haven't learned to cope with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Or even further, you haven't gotten to the root of what's going on, so you've used food to cope. And so if we don't get to the root of things and you lose weight and you haven't dealt with those things, the weight's going to come back on. So oftentimes, because people don't know how to manage that, that's where the eating disorders manifest themselves. I feel like we've kind of discussed this so many times in different topics, and it comes back to that same thing. If we don't understand the root and we don't have a healthy way to process it or a healthy way to deal with it, we look for a coping mechanism. Absolutely. And here we go again with eating disorders it's falling numbing, into that category. It's the numbing, it's, yeah. numbing yourself, yourself yes. or the I don't want to cope and, with and real healthy life. healthy coping, well, yes. And in past shows, I think I always use the, like, the cold pool analogy. Yes. So yes. when something happens that's uncomfortable – If there's, you know, you're in the cold pool, it's freezing, and there's a hot tub next door, you jump into the hot tub. It's comfortable, right? Well, what is that? Well, in this case, it's an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So we're going to escape the uncomfortable. We're going to escape something that we want to numb, and we're going to jump into things that either make us feel alive or we escape them, or it's a replacement behavior. I mean, it's like Kim said, it is over and over again. We see it with people who struggle with alcohol, people who struggle with drugs, people who have screen addiction, who just want to be on their phone all day long. It's a coping mechanism, but you're just wanting to escape from reality. Yeah. And something you said there that's really interesting, though, that I think is important to recognize in eating disorders, you're talking about like drug addictions or you're talking about that whole escape. But with food, it's something we have to have for survival. Yes. So like if it's an alcohol issue, you just stay out of the bars. You don't hang around Mm -hmm. people who are drinking. But with food, our culture 
is so well, and you have to eat motivated. You we have, have to, to eat, eat for to survival. survival. Yes. yes. And when you think about kids, it's like, you know, a church event, everyone bring a snack mm-hmm. or camp. It's all about, you know, fun celebrations. Food. We say, let's go get ice cream. Let's yes. go. We pair food with emotion. Yes. So I can see how this one could be the, one of the most overlooked areas of how you numb yourself, but also the hardest to kick because and of this so reason. Yes. The most socially acceptable. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So those are things we definitely need to consider. And it's hard, too, because lots of times our friends are doing these kind of behaviors or these things, too. And so it comes at a cost to quit because or because that means you have to choose different friends or you have to take a break from friends because Mm. if they're not getting the help or wanting to change, then that's going to keep re-triggering you. How often do you see when you are in your practice that you can just see that social media has played an impact on this? Because I know eating disorders have always been around, just like a lot of the things we talk about, like pornography and that sort of thing. But because of technology, it has heightened it. And there's been a switch that we or a a shift, a shift. Sorry, I couldn't get the word out. (laughs) A shift that we must recognize. Yeah. So. As as a whole in the mental health society, or not society, but just in the mental health system, we are seeing a rise of eating disorders. And a big connection absolutely is social media because it's the whole comparison piece. In the younger generations, mm-hmm. we see hype people. So they become all the hype mm-hmm. and they have a certain body image mm-hmm. or they have to look a certain way. Um, there's a Make trend the cutest on, TikTok. Yes. And even on TikTok, there's a lot of... Um, just little snippets that encourage, you know, binge eating or food restriction mm-hmm. or look just, at your ingredient label like you better yes. not be eating this kind of stuff today. Yeah, and they make yeah. a joke out of it. So it kind of gets desensitized that it's harmful. I can see that completely. Well, I, I, I imagine there was an uptick with television. Yeah. And then here we are the next generation with social media. And even as adults, so we're talking about kids, but like you mentioned earlier, for adults too, like when I go and look on social media, mm-hmm. I'm looking at my friends and I'm like, I could never wear those pants. Right. And oh my gosh, girl, I put those on and it was a disaster. And so just that constant comparison and wanting things to be different, it's so easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. Of how can I change this easily? And then you get caught in it and it becomes a cycle and you need help. Absolutely. And even like earlier, you were saying pornography. I mean, kids are being exposed to bodies. Yes. And, you know, and even that can even exposure to pornography can then fuel an eating disorder because they want to look like that. Yes. Or think they should look like that. Or guys are like, I want a girl that looks like that. Absolutely. And so it can create a lot of insecurities. But then on the flip side, we are seeing advertisements look differently um, where we are seeing different body types and stuff. So that's encouraging that we're seeing. But then it can go on the other side, too, where sometimes it's getting glorified when we're seeing unhealthy things, too. So like I talked about the eating disorder, binge eating, we have to be careful with some of the things we see, too, because Mm -hmm. then it makes it seem acceptable for something that's actually a really dangerous thing for us, which is being super overweight. Well, again, we see the two um, sides of the spectrum and both of the extremes are unhealthy. Mm. And we see this again. And these conversations that we have to have with our kids are kind of in the middle where they can see both extremes and they can see why both are unhealthy for you. Absolutely. But to try and keep them centered. Yes. And 
in conjunction with all of those, we are finding body dysmorphia as well. And so that is confusing because that's seeing ourselves larger than we are, or we obsess and focus on a perceived flaw in appearance. So a lot of this... I feel like everybody has that, Jamie. (laughs) Does anybody not have that? Well, that's where the mindfulness is so important because if we pay attention to our thoughts and we're really focusing on the here and now, when we get those intrusive thoughts or those unhealthy thoughts, we can like rewrite them to give ourselves more compassion or more grace or a healthier idea of how we should think about things, you know? So for me personally, I've had three babies in four years. I don't metabolize babies like some of the moms <laughs> I know, Girl. you know? So if, if your that's... personal trainer has not worked that out for you, <laughs> you know, I, I would like to say I have chef. one, <laughs> <laughs> right? But I think it's like, if we're not mindful of those thoughts, then we can ca- get caught in that trap. Why do I look like that? Or I wish, I bet my husband thinks I should look like that instead of having grace and compassion. Like, wow, my baby was, or my body was able to make three babies in four years, carry them, they're healthy, and really celebrate that our body is not the enemy, food is not the enemy. So again, it's that reframing of how to look at it in a healthy way. If you're just now tuning in, this is Next Talk Radio at 2 p.m. on AM 630, The Word. Next Talk Radio is sponsored in part by the PAX Financial Group and listeners just like you. Everything we do at our nonprofit to keep kids safe online is accomplished through your donations. To support our organization, go to nexttalk.org and click on Give. There's big news if you are an investment client of USAA. Just recently, USAA announced that a Cleveland, Ohio corporation has entered into an agreement to purchase USAA Asset Management. They have always been an exceptional organization and will continue to serve our community well. But if you are considering a change, this might be the right time to look at San Antonio's PAX Financial Group. 210-881-5700, paxfinancialgroup.com. Investment advisory services offered through PAX Financial Group. Today in the studio, we have Jamie Mershon. Hi, everyone. (laughs) She is a licensed professional counselor who sits on our advisory council, and we are so excited to have her expertise here today. We are talking about eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Really big topic. I learned a lot in the first segment, like a lot about the different types of eating disorders and the new trends that you're seeing. Yes. Um, I we touched a little bit on symptoms to watch for, and you you said you know we have to know our kids, and when they get out of line, right? Is there anything else specific that you wanted to touch on before we move on to how to have conversations and what to say to our kids? Yeah, sure. well, there's a couple, or I should say, a few categories we can look for. So, as a whole body, these are things you might be seeing: dehydration, dizziness, fatigue. I'm always cold or headaches. Mm-hmm. So, if those aren't common things in your child, and And then all of a sudden, these things are coming up. Red flag. Another um, behavioral um, difference you might see is just frequent mirror checking, skipping meals, moody, social isolation, defensive about food, um, moves food around the plate but doesn't really eat it Mm. or putting everything in really small bites or cutting up in pieces. And then mood, we're going to look for anxiety, depression, guilt, and shame. So I know that's a big list, but it kind of covers the three, which is the whole body, behavioral, um, and then the mood. So I think that's important to recognize those things if those are out of character for your child. So I had a conversation with my sophomore. She's 16 this week, and she was really feeling tired. And I said, oh, my gosh, are you getting sick? You know, have you been tired over this past week? And she looked at me in the face, and she was like, mom? 
I'm a high schooler. We're always tired. And the more I thought about that, like they're also moody a lot yep. because their their bodies are going through changes. They're stressed at school. Yep. So I think I would just put a caution out there as a mom of a teen girl. Um, it's you got to know your kid. The baseline, right? You, you I have loved to that know term. that baseline mm-hmm. again. And Jamie touched on it in the first segment because that list. I mean, I could feel like a lot of them, most teenagers right. hit. Well, and that's the thing, like when you go on Google or when you look on Mayo Clinic or when you're looking, they're going to give you the symptom list. And it's pretty much like, yeah, that's a teenager in a nutshell, right? Or a mom. Or a mom. (laughs) Right? Going through menopause. Your last show. (laughs) Your last show, guys. Your last show. (laughs) But I mean, really, so yeah, like you said, it's like check the baseline, but then also look at like, you know, we're seeing this start younger and younger. Mm. So this may be happening with somebody who's not even a teenager yet. And I want to point out, like lots of times we generalize that this is just a girl issue. We're seeing it rise in eating disorders and guys too. So it's it's a girl and a guy problem. Um, and so because it's starting younger, developmentally, it may delay, uh, eating disorder can delay puberty, it can slow down growth and just missed or irregular periods. So mm-hmm. if you have a daughter who has regular periods and they all of a sudden have irregular periods, it could be, hmm, what's going on with that? So mm-hmm. if you're a mama who you're like, that's just awkward, go there. Like just even if it's uncomfortable, start talking about the periods or what that looks like um, mm-hmm. every month. You know, what like do they communicate that to you or sure. just something to keep that on your radar? Because we're talking infertility if they have too many missed periods. And so mm-hmm. that's a consequence that could be a lifetime. You know, we say so often here that the solution is creating that culture of communication. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what our whole mission is for everyone's family and Mm -hmm. for every kid Mm -hmm. to have a safe place to process. And the longer that we are doing these shows and talking through these things, I realize that that is the bottom line in all of this is Mm -hmm. doing that hard work Mm -hmm. and having those tough conversations because it applies to everything, including eating disorders. And it's going to look different probably for every kid, even with these symptoms. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, Yes, there will be some of those that are similar for each kid that's struggling with something, but your kid's going to be unique and their underlying issue will be unique. And so really the bottom line is knowing your kid. Yep. And that's hard to do. That's hard work. Um, and so I think in looking at symptoms, do you have ideas of maybe ways of bringing up this topic that are not so inflammatory or yeah. accusatory. And that's what I was going to ask too, like preventative conversations yep. before yeah. there's a problem. Um, yeah. Give us some little tips because I feel like we can get in there like with everything. Yeah. You know, I know like I think about cutting and, you know, when my kids were in elementary school, I would say things like if you ever get stressed out and want to hurt yourself, like always tell me, you, like don't ever hurt yourself. Yeah. And I didn't go into graphic detail about mm-hmm. how kids cut or whatever, but I was like planting seeds. Yeah. Give us some ideas. There. I'm opening the box. Get ready. Ready. I like, <laughs> She's smiling oh real big. Rip off like, the bow. Oh, this is my heart. Preventative, right? Yes. yes. Because like you said, we want to prevent it before it gets at a 10. Right. We want to prevent it at a 1, 2, and 3 at yes. talk. Mm-hmm. I Amen. Love, that's your scale. That's we use it all scale. the time, and I Yay, love it all the time. Praise God. Okay. So I think just biblically— I, I mean, let's bring it back to God and let's look at helping one understand his or her worth. So where do I go when I need comfort? Where do I go when I need worth? Where do I go when I need escape? Ultimately, it should be God, right? Not food. Not food. And 
And some of our homes were like, Jamie, I wish that was a reality. I wish that we had a Christ-centered home and that would just be the go-to. Mm. So some of you are listening and maybe it's not a Christ-centered home and we don't, that's not a intentional thing. And mm-hmm. maybe is that we don't know how to cultivate that. What mm-hmm. does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all just figuring a lot of this stuff out. So if it's not a Christ-centered home, where do I need to go when I need comfort? Where do I need worth? Where do I need escape? Ultimately, yes, Christ. But then Christ has entrusted your children to you. So Christ and parents. I go to my parents when I need comfort. I go to my parents when I need worth. I need. I go to my parents when I need escape from the craziness of the world, mm, right? To confide in them right. yes. instead of binge eating, yes. cutting, or yes. finding another coping mechanism. Yes. And so it's creating that culture in the home where you become their comfort, you become their source their of worth, place. their safe place, mm-hmm. right? So I love that because John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And so that's encouraging for kids, but it's also encouraging for parents because do not be afraid. I think oftentimes, you know, when we talk about all this stuff, we go to fear. Mm -hmm. Well, here's where the hope is. So here's where I go into what do we do? How do we create those things that I was just talking about? Um, One of the things is, is we want to not have a house that is focused on exercise and food in regard to weight, or that's the goal to get skinny, or that's the goal to look good. You want to focus on health. So we exercise to be healthy. We eat these kind of foods to be healthy. So if it's like, why do you go to the gym, mom? Oh, because I want to be skinny. That sends a negative message. So when you keep it on health, that's good. And when it's proportioned correctly. I want to stop you right there because I know I'm so guilty of saying something like, well, I want to fit in these jeans or I want to get back in my size before I had babies or something like that. And I think we have to be careful about that because it could send a negative vibe to our kids that it's about the size of us. Exactly. And so, you know, I have little three little girls, right? Mm -hmm. And they're itty. And so, um, like, for instance, when they see me changing or whatever, I will say, look how beautiful God made mommy's body. And I will just make a point of talking positively about me. So they yes. see me postpartum. They see me, mm-hmm. you know, just not at, at my finest. And in your opinion, <laughs> in my opinion, right? But it's me like just seeing how God sees me. So from a young age, they already hear mom talking positively about her body. And so Another thing is to get your spouse on board. Get your spouse to say, hey, babe, you look beautiful. Or make it not even about appearance. Talk about character. I love your character. I love how you excel in math. I love your talents. Um, So just focus on things outside of their body, too, that their worth isn't, oh, I always get compliments about my look. Or I always get praise about my look. Find other areas to praise your kids. And I want to just jump in here real quick if I can. And let's talk about our boys because you're talking about bringing in your spouse, you know, Um, you know, the Super Bowl happened and we're not going to get into that. Feel how you want to feel about (laughs) it, you know, but my my son went to school and what 12 year old boys were saying about the dancers on the Super Bowl like hurt. And I felt like I had to circle back to some conversations. Yeah. And I said, hey, she's more than her body. 
Like Amen. she's got a brain, she's got a family, she's a successful business person, you know, and yes. I think those conversations are important too for our girls and our boys. I agree. Yeah. I love that you brought that in there. Another thing that I think is important is that we can talk about how we classify foods. So we can talk about sometimes foods, which are like birthday cake. You don't eat it every day. It's a sometimes food. So give yourself permission. I like that's, that. that's the term we've always used. It helps little kids so much yes. understand Or that. we'll say, oh, that's a one-two food. Like mm-hmm. you can have one or two cookies. And so the key is not to say no, not to restrict, mm-hmm. but just show them what healthy, healthy balance. balance. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So um, I think those are just really important things. I will say, you know, having littles also, these are so important to start when they're young, like you were saying um, earlier. Um, One of my boys came to me at a young age and said, am I fat? Um, had that question because we're all big boned. On, yeah. my family. There ain't nobody going to be too. little. Me too. Or skinny. It just <laughs> yeah. is not a thing. Yes. And so being able to explain scientifically really helped him because yeah. I know his character and say, we have this kind of body type and we're meant to be strong and we help people I in love this that, way Kim. and you're yes. built this way. Right. And then the things like you said, these are sometimes food. Yeah. How do you feel when you eat that? I don't really feel that good. Yeah. Well, we probably shouldn't eat a lot of that. Exactly. You know, bringing, getting them to see the getting difference. Getting them to yes. understand it like that. themselves has really been helpful in our household. I think that's wonderful. So lastly, if you are going to have a conversation, I think these are just really quick to go over. Pick a good time. If you know your child's grumpy in the morning, don't have that conversation. Yes. Then. Explain why you're concerned. Be prepared for denial and resistance and ask the person his or her reasons for wanting to get help. And so, like I said, this can be fatal. So we want to create a, um, accountability, get a dietitian and counselor involved, um, stay away from body shaming and, and what we talked about early. So gentle, but firm because mm-hmm. eating disorders tend to be secretive, deceitful and manipulative. Mm-hmm. So we have to be firm, but we also have to be loving and gentle. So I know that was like a power rush, but if you do have to confront that's your go-to plan. And how can people get a hold of you if they're looking for an expert to get some help? Yes. You can go to www.sacounselor.com. Thank you, Jamie. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on Next Talk Radio with Mandy and Kim on AM630, The Word. You are not alone trying to figure out how to parent in this digital world. We are here with practical solutions to help you. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find our video series and podcast at nexttalk.org. Are you ready for the next talk?